you if you would do that. Here in Matthew chapter 3, and let's look there in verse 1 as we stand to our feet in honor of God's word as we read it together this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 3. We want to preach, uh, continue to preach. We, start th- we started this last Sunday morning and about prepare ye the way of the Lord. I believe that's a key phrase about salvation. We see in chapter 3, verse 1, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, saying, I, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. There's that phrase. It says, Make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. And when he saw, when he, and when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruit, fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me, I uh, after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor, gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Uh, Father, we read the sobering passage in. We come to you in the name of Jesus, asking God that we'd make it, uh, we'd, we'd have it, dear God, where it's very clear. God, I pray this morning for any sinner that's lost without Jesus. I pray for anyone who's confused about their salvation, anyone who's doubting, dear God, that if they are saved or not, anyone this morning, Lord, who just don't know, may this be that day. Today's the day of salvation. We pray, Lord, that you'd open eyes and hearts, and God, that you'd take away the blinders and remove the scales. God, we're looking, dear God, this morning for you to increase the kingdom of God. And God, if you don't do that this morning, Lord, may you encourage your saints. God, may you help your children today. May we understand it better and better. Father, do something real special with this today. If you would, God, may you have your way in our hearts. God, anoint us the hearer and the preacher, in Christ's name, amen, amen. You may be seated. So what brought us to this place is this question that I began to ask last week is, what is salvation? Who is the Savior? If I want to know anything about that, I'd like to go to the beginning. I'd like to go where it all started and find out this morning Uh, What does it mean to be saved, and who is this Christ? Who is this Jesus? Now, we say his name all the time, but I believe in many minds, it's a historical Jesus. In many minds, it's a biblical Jesus. In many minds, it's a Jesus you learned in Sunday school, 
And it's a Jesus that is told in many places in many ways. But who is this Jesus? Is he just the prophet? Is he just the healer? Is he just the teacher? Is he just the preacher? Is he just the Savior? So in going back to find out where all this began, where all this thing about being saved and about the preaching of the, of the gospel, then we all go back to Matthew chapter 3. And we read there in verse, in verse 3, we find that it says, For this is he which is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. So let's go to Isaiah. That's Isaiah chapter 40. And we talked last week about the person of the Lord. You see, prepare ye the way of the Lord is the mighty praise. That is the key to knowing about salvation and how to be saved, is this phrase, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now, we talked about the person of the Lord. Who is the Lord? And we got to know, if you're going to get saved this morning, you're not going to get saved being ignorant of who the Lord is. You're not going to get born again this morning having no understanding of who the Lord is. Why would in Isaiah, uh, that Isaiah would say, there in verse 3 of chapter 40, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. The same phrase. It's in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament. It came from the Old Testament and brought into the New Testament by John. And we find that the person of the Lord, as we preached last Sunday, I'm going to give you a few things and we'll move on. But in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, it talks about the Lord. And it says this about the Lord, that he is the one that is going to come. We find that there, it says, prepare the way of the Lord. Now, who is saying that the Lord is coming? We'll look in verse 1 of chapter, uh, chapter 40, Isaiah. It says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Now, God is saying that this morning. Now, who is God? God is Elohim. Who's Elohim? Well, he's the God in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, who created the heavens and the earth. That's the God of gods. He's the creator of the world. There's no other God beside him. He's the only God. The only true living God is that God. That word Elohim means the supreme God. You can't get no higher. You can't get no greater. You can't get no bigger. You can't get no holier. You can't get nowhere else without this God. He is God. Now, this God, the only true God, said in verse 3 that prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now, who's the Lord? Well, the Lord is Jehovah. The word Jehovah means the existent God or the self-existent God, the eternal God. So God, in verse 1, is telling us in verse 3, prepare you the way of the Lord. Elohim says, get ready for Jehovah. Amen? Talking about salvation, we've got to understand who the Lord is. We find that God said the Lord is coming. That what not he said? He said that. He also said, God said, the Lord is coming. That's Jehovah. And God said, the Lord is coming in Isaiah 40, verse 10. How is he coming? Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. And his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work is before him. And so he's coming strong. He's coming mighty. He's coming not to be not to be, a, a, 
be defeated. He's not coming to quit. He's not coming to just come for a short period of time and get weary and faint and, and sort of change directions. No, the God has said the Lord is coming, and when he comes, he's going to come strong. Amen. And so we know that the Lord is coming because God said he's coming, and when he comes, he's coming strong. Uh, how is he coming? Strong. Why is he coming in verse 11? He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom. He shall gently lead those that are the, with young. He's coming to be a shepherd. He's coming to gather his sheep. He's coming to take his fold. He's coming to gently lead his lambs. Amen. Oh, the loving uh, arms of a shepherd. That's who this Lord is coming. Amen. Why is he coming? That's why he's coming. How is he coming? He's coming strong. And then who is, who is actually coming? And verse 12 says, and it begins to describe him all the way to verse 28. Verse 12 says, who? Who is who? Who is the Lord? Well, who is saying the Lord is coming? God. We find who hath measured by the waters in the hollow of his hand. you remember that? That the one who is coming has in his palm of his hand 71% of all the world. That's water. He also says the one who is coming has meted out the heavens with a span. That's from his fingertip to his little pinky. He opened up his hand and all of a sudden heaven is now developed. Is now settled, now set, and now prepared. He also says in verse 12, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. He measured the dust. And then he said he weighs the hills and he weighs the mountains. Uh, verse 13 says, who has directed the spirit of the Lord of being his counselor had taught him. And we go forth, we're not going to read it all, but it talks about um, who has taught him, who has brought him to understanding. He says in verse 15, compared to this Lord who's coming, all the nations are but a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust of the balance. So there's no threat there. And then in verse 17, he says, all nations before him are as nothing. They are counted as less than nothing and vanity. And so now we're explaining and we're understanding who the Lord is and who's coming. Who's going to come that we're going to understand? He's a mighty, mighty God. He, he's the, the Lord, amen. And then he goes on and says in verse 18, To whom like, then will be likened God, and what likeness will you compare him? And then he goes on and says in verse 25, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? In verse 28, Has thou not known, has thou not heard? This is who's coming, the everlasting God. God said, Elohim, he said, Jehovah's coming. And Jehovah who comes will be the everlasting God. And then he says in verse 28, he says, The Lord, Jehovah, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He is unstoppable and he's unsearchable. Amen. And so we preached that last Sunday morning. I know it's a recap, but uh, just a brief recap. And so we heard about the person of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And now we've got an understanding who actually is coming. Amen. That's what God said. And then we go back to uh, go back to Matthew with me, if you don't mind. But we're going to come right back to Isaiah here quickly. In Matthew chapter 3, 
keep your finger there in Isaiah 40. We'll be right back there. But Matthew chapter 3, we're going to talk about the path for our God. Not only the person of the Lord, but the path to the Lord. We see that there in verse 3. It says, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The word way, it means road, or it means route. It means a path. So if we know who the Lord is, and we now do, we got to prepare a path. we got to prepare a road, because the Lord is coming. Now turn back to Isaiah chapter 40 and look in verse 3. The Lord is going to come, according to this scripture here, down a highway. The Bible says in verse 3, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Here comes God on a highway. A highway for our God. This highway is not some little little narrow place. It's not something where you barely can get through. It's not a little old, little road that's just a bit. This is a wide thoroughfare. It's huge. And he says, make the way of our God on the highway for our God. First point this morning in the path to our Lord is this. It's prepare the pavement. Prepare the pavement because he begins to talk about that in verse 4. He says, every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. Verse 3, make straight the desert and a highway for our God. And what he's saying is this, is we know the Lord is coming. And we know that he's going to come down on a highway. But that highway, that pavement in which he's going to come down, you and I have make, got to make it easy for God to get to us. Amen. We've got to make it plain for him to get to us. We've got to make it smooth for him to come to us. Now, do we not know this morning that God said that he's not willing that any should perish? Amen. He also says that there that I will have all men to be saved. Uh, we understand this morning that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we can say with all our hearts today that the Lord Jesus, he will want everyone to be saved. Amen. Now, is everybody saved? No. But does he want all people to be saved? Yes. And so if the Lord is coming down this highway, the highway for the Lord, we know that he says that you're going to have to do some things. I want you to notice these statements that are being made here in this verse. He says in verse 3, make straight. Who is that who's going to have to make straight? You. Verse 4. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and the hill shall be made low. Who's going to do that? You. And the crooked shall be made straight. Who's going to make it straight? You. You see, in this thought of being saved this morning, in the mindset of being born again this morning, we've got to know who the Lord is. Prepare you the way of the Lord so that we've got to know who He is. He's God. He's the Creator. 
He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's Counselor. He's Wonderful. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is who's coming down the path, coming down the road. And we've got to prepare the way of the road. We've got to make it easy for God to get to us. We've got to make it plain that God will touch us. We've got to make it to a way where He can reach us this morning. Some of you in this room has a chaotic life. You bring more trouble, more drama than anyone does. God can't get to you because of you. God can't get to you because everything's messed up. Everything is backwards. Everything is reversed. Everything, friend, you throw in his way. You throw about. Every time God brings conviction upon your heart, every time God draws you unto him, you've got some excuse. You've got some reason. You've got some problem. You've got some difficulty. You've got some issue, friend. And God said, listen, you're going to have to prepare that way so I can get to you. Amen. I'm, God's not saying that you've got to quit sinning and you've got to stop drinking and you've got to stop cussing and you've got to stop being bitter. Oh, he does all that with the blood of the Lamb. He said, just for me to get to you, you've got to make it plain. Just for me to come to your house, to come and draw unto you, you're going to have to make it easy. Did you know you had that responsibility? Did you know that, friend, that God is wanting to save you and change you and give you heaven, amen, but he just can't get to you? Amen. Won't you this morning, dear sinner friend, won't you make it easy for God? Won't you stop making excuses and, and it's your childhood and it's your bring up and it's what they've done to you. It's how they treated you. It's what your mom and daddy and your brother and aunt and uncle and, and how everybody's done with you and how this is happening and how you have a mental issue and you have a heart issue and you got a physical issue and you got all these issues this morning. Won't you just make it easy? Stop telling me you're of this religion. Stop telling me you're of that mindset. Stop telling me that you're confused. Stop talking about, hey, that I've got all this going on this morning. Won't you just say, God, here I am. I'm going to make it easy for you. You come and speak to me. I'm going to put away all the fluff. I'm going to put all the junk out of the way. I'm going to stop making excuses and stop saying how bad and horrible my life is. How, how sorry that it's been. And, and God, you give me this and you gave me that. And, and how you took away this and you made this to go this way. Listen, take down the hill. Remove the mountain. Take the crookedness out of it. Make it straight. Prepare the pavement. If you're going to get saved here this morning, you're ever going to get born again, you've got to make it easy. You've got to make it plain. You've got to make it to the place that's smooth so that God can get to you. Not only prepare the pavement, but prepare the person. You've got to prepare you. Boy, he does that here in chapter 40. The Bible says in verse, up there in verse 3, he said, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Was he crying? He's saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. In other words, for the Lord ever can get to you, you got to prepare that way. But then verse 6 said, what shall I cry? He said, and he said, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? Okay, I'm crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way. But what am I going to cry? Well, he begins to explain what he's going to cry about. He is crying about this person that has to be prepared. He says to him there in that verse, in verse 6, All flesh is grass. 
goodliness thereof is a flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Sure, the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of God shall stand forever. Three things, he says, to the person whose the Lord is coming for. He says, number one, he says that you won't live forever. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Why? Because I have to prepare myself. I won't live forever. I won't live forever. All grass dieth. All flower. Hey, I won't live forever. Right now, I'm, I'm big. Right now, I'm strong. Right now, I can handle it. Right now, I can eat chocolate and keep on going. Uh, right now, I can drink a beer and keep rolling. Uh, right now, I can have a drug. Right now, I can do all that I want to do. I come to church when I want to. I can act as I please. I have all these things, all these strengths, all this power. I got all this ability. Hey, I am what I am today. I can go. But let me tell you something. In order for you to be saved this morning, prepare you the way of the Lord. You got to prepare the pavement, but you got to prepare the person, and that is this. You're all grass, and you won't live forever. There comes a dying day for you. There comes a day where you breathe your last breath. There comes a day you shut your eyes for the last time. There comes a day when your body gets cold, and your body gets stiff, and there comes a day, friend, when there's no life in you. may not be right now, but if Jesus tarries, it will be. Oh, we find not only is he saying and preparing the person that I got to know uh, that I won't live forever, but you got to know that you won't last forever. You won't last forever either. As strong as you are today, you won't be like that. Oh, as remembering as you are today, you won't be like that. Oh, as money you have and plans you have and strengths you have, it won't be always like that. You're going to get weaker. You're going to forget. You're going to get more sicker. You're going to find yourself being more to the place where you're doing less than you've ever done before. You're going to find the energy be removed. You're going to find that you just can't do what the mind says to do. It's like the mind makes the contract that the body can't keep. And you say, oh, man, it's just not going to last, friend. Listen, you've got to prepare the person. I won't live forever, and I won't last forever. I won't. I've known y'all some time. Y'all know me some time. We're different than we met each other. We're different than the years that we met. Some of y'all 20-something years ago I met you. You look different, and so do I. And I remember some things that we could go all day and we could do it and not even blink an eye. And some of those whippersnappers couldn't hold up with us. Some of those young, young little kids couldn't hang with us, amen. I mean, we was a workaholics. Uh, we was a strong. Uh, we knew exactly what we was going to do. But them days are gone. If you're ever going to get saved, friend, you have to prepare the person. And preparing the person, you're going to have to know that I'm not going to live forever. I'm like that grass. And that I'm not going to last forever. I'm like that flower that just faded. Right? Just try to be honest. Number three, not only will you won't live forever and you won't last forever, but you won't lead forever. Like the grass that leads and the flower that leads, you just won't lead forever. 
You won't be able to leave your family forever. You won't be able to lead your children forever. You won't be able to, to lead at your work, and you won't be able to lead at your church, and you won't be able to lead in your community. You won't be able to lead as you do. That's not forever. You got to prepare your person. Can I say here this morning, you will see the glory of the Lord no matter what this morning. Philippians chapter 2, the, the Bible says in that verse uh, there uh, where it talks about in verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter, keep your hand there, but turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. I want to show this to you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 about the glory. He says, wherefore God, in verse 9, chapter 2 of Philippians, wherefore God hath all highly exalted him, given him a name above, which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's who's coming, to the glory of God the Father. Every single person and individual in this room will bow their knee and will confess their tongue that this Jesus, the Lord, who says he prepare you the way of the Lord, he was coming and you will see his glory. Now, you could see his glory now by repenting and receiving Christ, or you can die and go to hell, but then cash into the lake of fire, and then then you'll see his glory. The bottom line is, you got to prepare the person. His glory, you'll see, it's up to you when you see it. It's up to you how you see it. We find you'll see not only the glory of the Lord, but you'll see the power of the Word of God. We find it this morning where the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, he says, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. You just know this morning uh, that the Word of God that you're listening to now, it standeth forever. You might say, that's you, Brother Larry. You're giving us your opinion. I hear that all the time. Hey, Brother Larry, you're just giving us your interpretation. Hey, Brother Larry, you're just giving us, you know, what you might think it means. No, I'm not giving you any of that this morning. I'm giving you the Word of God, and you're going to see the power of God's Word this morning. You can see it now. You can see it later. But that Word, a liveth and abideth forever, according to Peter. The Word of God will stand forever. The Word of God is settled in heaven this morning the only thing that we have this morning that we can touch and we can hold and we can look upon and we can read and we can trust in is the word of God this morning and you must prepare yourself this morning prepare the person by saying listen I may go I may not live forever I may not last forever I might not lead forever but that Bible the word of God will and that's how you prepare the road for the Lord. That's how you prepare the way, the path of the Lord this morning. Prepare the person. Then can I say thirdly, prepare the passion. You got to prepare the pavement. You got to make it easy for God to get to you. You got to prepare the person. You got to know I don't live forever, I won't last forever, and I won't leave forever. And then you got to prepare the passion. Look at Malachi. That's a book right before Matthew. Malachi chapter 3. 
some of the same terminology is used right here, so we know it's, a, it's the same event. Matthew chapter, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, ye shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. I want you to notice this morning, if you ever are going to be born again, saved of the glorious blood of the Lamb this morning, uh, you're going to have to know who's coming. And then you're going to have to not know who's coming, but you're going to have to prepare the way of His coming. And then preparing the way of His coming, you're going to have to have passion for His coming. Amen? Nobody gets saved in here because you didn't want to. Nobody gets saved in here because you just don't care to. Nobody gets saved in here because you said, you know what? I think I just, uh, you know, I just don't think I want to go that way. I just don't think I want to be a Christian. I don't think I want to be, a, you know, a, a, to the church. I, I don't think I just want to live that life. Hey, that's your freedom. That's your liberty. Go to hell if you want to. But listen, friend, if you're ever going to be saved and born again, you're ever going to become a Christian this morning, you're going to have to have not only a preparation, but you've got to know who the person is who's coming, but you've got to have passion passion look at the two words that describe the passions he says in malachi and we know that it's the same event because he says prepare the way before me there's a term there's two terms whom ye seek and then whom you delight in now who is whom whom is the lord who's the lord he's the one that's coming <laughs> he's the god of all gods He's the Lord. Whom you seek, the passion, the passion, He is coming. And this morning, if you're ever going to know God, you've got to have a passion within your heart uh, that you are going to seek the Lord. Amen. Prepare the way of the Lord. The passion of the Lord is you're going to seek Him. God's not going to save you unless you want to be saved. God's not going to save you against your will. God's not going to save you, uh, friend, if your lips say you want to be saved, but your heart is not in it. God won't save you even though you get baptized and even though you come join this church if your heart is not in it. So seek. Seek Him. The Lord is coming, and when He's coming, I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to pave the road, make it easy for God to get to me. And then I'm going to prepare my person. I'm not going to live forever. I'm not going to last forever. I'm not going to leave forever. And now I'm preparing the passion. I seek the Lord. I want Him in my life. I want the one that is coming, the creator of the world. I want the everlasting Father. I want Him, the Lord. I want Him, Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai. I want Him. The word seek means, or the word Lord here in this scripture in verse chapter 1, verse 3 of Malachi. The word Lord is Adonai. It means owner, master, superior, or ruler. 
And that's who you're seeking. When you come to Christ, when you come to the Lord, you don't come to Him and say, I don't know who you are, but I want you. I don't know what you're going to do in my life, but I seek you. No, when you come to the Lord, you're going to know that He's the owner. And whenever you want to be saved by the owner, that means He owns you. You know that up front. Whenever you come and seek the Lord, you're going to seek the ruler. And what you're going to say to the Lord when you receive him into your life, you're going to say, I want you to rule my life. This don't work like this, where you come down and pray a little prayer, and yes, Jesus come into your heart to save your soul, forgive you of your sins, and you get up, and the preacher says, okay, now he's got to be ruler of your life. You said, oh, I didn't know that. There's no such thing as that this morning. Whenever you prepare the way of the Lord God, and then when you prepare yourself, man, listen, I'm not going to last, and I'm not going to live, and I'm not going to leave forever. I'm going to burn up one day. That passion is to seek Him. To seek Him as what? As ruler, master, and owner. Amen! <laughs> we just want to make sure, amen? Because we want genuine salvation. We want true blue redemption. Man, we want it to be real in your life. There's so many people, friend, who, who make a profession of faith and they get baptized and they say they're a Christian and they have no idea who Jesus is. They don't know he's the Lord God. They don't know he's the creator of the world. They don't know he's an everlasting father. They don't know he's the mighty God. He don't know any of that. And then they don't know that he's the ruler and master of their life. Because they say this, I don't believe in the Lordship of Christ. Well, then you're not saved. He's Lord whether you want Him to be Lord or not. But in order to be born again, you've got to make Him Lord of your life. And you're going to seek Him to be that Lord. You're going to seek Him to be that master. You're going to seek Him to be that owner. Amen. That's right, brother. That's what Malachi is saying anyway. You desire for the Lord. You strive after the Lord. You require in the Lord. I've seen nobody really get saved and born again who says, I'm just going to go halfway in this thing. I'm just going to kind of, today I want them, tomorrow I don't. Uh, you know, Sunday I, I think I want to get saved, but Monday I don't want to be saved. I don't see any of that kind of life, amen? But in the true, real, biblical salvation, friend, you'll find from the very beginning, that's where we're at, we're in the very beginning, from the very beginning, whenever you sought after this Lord, it was that He would be Lord. And you would submit, and you would yield, and you'd lay down, and you'd die. You'd be resurrected in Him. You'd be resurrected in Christ. You'd be made live unto God and dead to sin. I'm just saying this morning, the passion, He is coming. What are you going to do with that? Whom you seek. And then number two, I notice, whom you delight. Chapter 3, verse 1, whom you delight in. The word delight there, uh, it means to be pleased with. I'm pleased with the Lord. Hey, it means to be desiring in, or it means a longing for. And all that means this morning is this, is whenever it says, prepare ye the way of the Lord, you say, well, who in the world's the Lord? And now we know who the Lord is. He is Jehovah. And Jehovah is God. And when he comes, he's going to come. And when he's there, I'm going to seek for him. 
But then I'm going to delight in him. He's my life. He's the love of my life. He's what brings pleasure. Oh, he's what is what going to make my life be life. I delight in him. Oh, I'm not angry with him. I'm not bitter toward him. I'm not pointing my finger at him. I'm not trying to get out. I'm not trying to get away. Man, my heart is delighted in him. I am striving and desiring and cleaving unto him. And that's how you get saved. Passion. It's funny to me that if you're an Astro fan, you wear the Astro shirt. You wear the Astro hat. You have the astro pants and astro shoes, astro glasses, and you go out there and get an astro flag, and you're up in the stands, and when they get a base hit, you stand up, yeah, go, hey, go, they get a home run, you lose your mind. You go get you another, uh, something to drink, a $5 cup of nothing, and you get a better $15 hot dog, and man, you throw, you throw some popcorn, and you, throw, throw, you put some things there, and you say, man, this is wonderful, and you sit for nine whole innings. Three hours. And but you don't flinch at all. Because there's a passion about you and the Astros. And you come to the house of God. And we're preaching on Jesus Christ and him crucified. After 30 or 45 minutes, you start looking at your clock. You say, preacher, shut your mouth. I need to go home. That's enough, enough. I need to move on. What's the matter with you? I tell you, what's the matter with you? You don't have no passion for Christ. Well, if there was a passion in Christ, you'd sit here all day and listen to the preaching of God's Word. If you had a passion of Christ, friend, you'll not miss the services ever. If you had a passion of Christ, friend, you'll come wherever He's taught and wherever He's sung over and wherever He's praised and wherever He's honored and wherever He's lifted up. That's where I'll be because my delight is in Him. Amen, brother. Every once in a while, you just got to say amen. Can I say number three? Not only is there the person of the Lord, there's the path to the Lord, and then there's the preparation for the Lord. Can I say number one? Back into Matthew, which is the very next book over, chapter three. Since now we know the person and now we know the path. John the Baptist comes in verse 2, and this is verse 1. He says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. What was he preaching? Well, he was just saying who the Lord was, and he was just saying what to do with him. Here's the path, and here's the person. So what do we do now after knowing all that? He says in verse 2, and saying, repent ye. Now repentance comes in play. Yeah, I'm striving for Jesus, and I'm delighting in Jesus. That's who I want to be part of my life, who wants to be the Lord of my life, the ruler of my life, the owner of my life. And I'm preparing the way so he can come to me, so I can get saved. And I am looking for his coming unto me, because he's the God, and he's the creator of the world. So what are you going to do now? Well, John the Baptist said, repent. <laughs> what? I thought it was all said and done. I mean, I know who the Lord is. I, I gave him open area. I, I put everything that was rough, smooth. I put everything that was tough, easy. And just come on to me, Lord. Here I am. And, man, I want you, and I delight in you, and, and I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be ruler of my life. And then what does John Baptist do, as most preachers do? They kind of mess it up, right? Repent. 
repent. I thought we had it all settled. I thought everything was good. See, a lot of preachers would have stopped right there on you. A lot of preachers would have said, listen, it's okay. Now you have a striving for Jesus. Now you have a delight in Jesus. Now you know he's God. And, and now you know he came to die on the cross for your sin. You now know that he loves you. You now know. And do you believe all that? I believe all that with all my heart. Then you're saved. The only problem is you're not. You're not. You prepared the way. You know who the person is. But you're missing the preparation. You got the path. You got the person, but you got to have a preparation. And in that preparation, repent ye. I'm going to tell you something this morning. A lot of pulpits are not preaching repentance any longer. They stop right where I just said. And everything's good at that point. But nobody's saved at this point. Nobody. You just know who the person of the Lord is. You know who the path of the Lord is. That's all you know. Now, you want to be saved, and you're seeking the Lord. And you're going to delight in him. And you want him to be Lord of your life? You want to be ruler of your life? That's good. That's all right. But you're not saved. Repent ye. Now, what does repentance mean this morning? Does it mean to be sorry? No. Does it mean that I regret? No. Does it mean that, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just fed up with it? Mm -mm. You know what repent ye means? It means a change of heart. That's what it means. A change of heart. You're going to have to have a change of heart. So the change of heart toward God. That's what you have to change of heart toward. Toward God. The Lord is coming. Adonai. He's the owner. He's the master. He's the superior. He's the ruler. The Lord is coming. His name is Jehovah. Self-existent God. The eternal God. The God is coming. Elohim, the supreme God. Hmm. In other words, brother, what you're saying is this. My heart toward God has to change in that Jesus in whom I am going to trust in for my Savior is God. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what we're saying. You're going to have to have a chart change that this Jesus is the supreme God. Nobody will ever get saved unless Jesus is the supreme God and you repent in that. That's why Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and Seventh-day Adventists and Muslims and Hindus and, Ju and Judaism are all unsaved because they don't believe that Jesus is the supreme God, Elohim. I'm talking about how you get to heaven, friend. There's going to have to be a heart change called repentance. A repentance towards God that he, Jesus, is not only the supreme God, the creator of the world, but Jesus is Jehovah, the eternal God, the self-existent God. But then Jesus is also Adonai, the master, the owner, the ruler. And that heart of you as a sinner has to have a repentance, and that repentance is towards God and Jesus. Amen? That's what you got to repent of. Repent ye. Repent ye. And then I say, to repent is not only a change of heart towards God, and that God is coming, but the Son of God is coming. 
Look at First John. Look at John. I'm sorry, not first, but John chapter one with me. John chapter one, and look at verse twenty-three. John chapter one and verse twenty-three. The Bible says. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said in the prophet Isaiah. Same account? Yes. Same event? Yes. Same. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and, and said unto him, Why baptize thou then, if thou not be the Christ, nor Elias, neither the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latches I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethereba, beyond Jordan, where John was baptized. And the next day, John seeth Jesus. Uh-oh, now we're putting it together here. The Lord that we was talking about in Malachi, and the Lord we was talking about in, in uh, Isaiah, is now connected to this Jesus coming unto him. Just like he says, prepare the way of the Lord. He's coming. And now John the Baptist is seeing this Lord, this God, Elohim, Jehovah, Adonai. He's coming. And he puts Jesus there as the one who it is. He said, uh, was coming and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he. Boy, copy that. Write that down. Uh, do whatever you need to do to see it. This is he of whom I said. After he cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, I knew him not, that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it bowed upon him. Verse 34, and I saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. <laughs> Fred, you have to repent. And you've got to repent towards God. That this Jesus, that the world has made it anemic. This Jesus, that the world has made him commercial. This Jesus, that the world has made him. All you got to do is come just as you are. You can live in your sin. You can believe what you want to believe. You can be a Christian. You can be a Buddhist. You can be a Muslim. You can be a Jew. You can be anything you want to. And believe in Jesus and go to heaven too. Friend, that's a myth. The truth is, you have to repent. And that that one who prepared you way of the Lord is Jesus himself. Wow. You've got to know that. You've got to believe that. You've got to trust that. Why would you entrust your soul to anyone who's just Jesus? If he's just the one who healed people and he walked on water and he, he took the calm and the storm. He's got to be more than that. He is. Then Jesus comes in Mark chapter 1. Turn there with me. Mark chapter 1. And look in verse 14. Since now Jesus is identified, Jesus now comes on the scene. Mark chapter 1. And look about verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye. Same message. And believe 
the gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Listen, if you're ever going to go into the kingdom of God, if you're ever going to be set in the kingdom of God, now Jesus said this too in Luke 13, 3. He said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise and perish. You know what Jesus was saying there in Luke chapter 3? He's saying either you turn or you burn. That's what he says. Either you repent, and no one's ever going to the kingdom of heaven unless they repent. Repent towards God. Change your heart towards Jesus. He's God, He's Lord, He's Savior, He's King. Do you believe that? I pray that you do. Number two, not only do you change your heart towards God, but you change your heart towards sin. Back in Matthew chapter 3, we find as John the Baptist just continues on, he says that in verse 6, and we're baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. That word confessing there, it means to acknowledge entirely. In order for them to be baptized, they're going to have to repent, and they have to believe the gospel. And in doing that, you would find that they would come to a place in their life and they would acknowledge entirely, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm depraved. I'm full of vice. I got a wicked heart. I'm sorry. I'm no good. I am as, as bad as it gets. I'm evil. I'm full of the devil. I'm full of flesh. I'm full of the world. I am nothing. I am sinful. And I am unrighteous. And I am ungodly. And that's acknowledging your sin. The reason why you sin is because you're a sinner. That's what sin, that's what sinners do. They just sin. The confessing, I acknowledge it. See, many people don't want to come to this place of salvation. When you look them in the eye, and you look them right down in the face, and you say to them, are you a rotten, no good, low down piece of trash? They don't want to bring themselves that low. They don't want to make themselves even with the dirt or the ground. They don't want to bring themselves below the dust. But friend, until you start confessing, you'll not get there. If you think there's any bits of righteousness about you, you can't get saved. If you think there's any bit of good about you, you there's nothing good. There's, what does it say in Romans? There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that doeth good. I'm not telling you what Brother Larry thinks. I'm not telling you something that I've read in a, in a book somewhere. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. And before those people were baptized by John, they had to believe the gospel and repent towards sin and towards God. And that confession just means I acknowledge entirely. I agree. Preacher, if you say that I'm a sinner, then I am. If the Word of God says I am, then I am. If the Bible says I'm lost, I'm lost. If Mama says I'm lost, I'm lost. If whoever, whoever I can talk to and I can talk to them about my story, tell them where I'm at, and they come to say, hey, listen, brother, I, listen, sister, I just think that you don't know God, then that's what I know. I just agree. See, you're not ever going to get saved being rebellious. 
You're not going to ever get saved being stubborn. You're never going to get saved when you want to kick against the bricks. You're never going to get saved whenever you feel uh, that you're being attacked or you're being picked on or, or, that, you're, or that they're just not treating you right, friend. No, it's going to come to a place where you just agree, I am just what I am. I acknowledge that. That's what the word confess makes means. I'm almost done. Some of you might have a pot roast in there. That word confess means accepting completely. I accept it. Then lastly here, change your heart toward life. Look what it says there in verse 8. Verse 8. He says, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. You're going to identify with Christ in baptism, and then you're going to clarify with Christ with the life. That word there where it says bring forth, now who's going to bring? You, the believer. All right, you, the saved. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, fruits, meat, for repentance. In other words, the life changes is suitable. For if your heart changes towards God and Jesus is God, that means that in your life, you live a life that God is in your life. That's what it means. That word meat means suitable or comparable. If you have a repentance of towards God, uh, that means there's no rebellion and stubbornness and anger towards God. Because that would conflict the repentance of God. It's got to be meat. It's got to be comparable. It's got to be suitable. So you say, for example, I repent of alcohol. That means you live a life outside of alcohol. That's what it means. You say, well, I'll repent of pornography. Well, that means you now live a life without pornography. That's what, that's what it means. The fruits that will meet for repentance. So you have repentance of, you have a changed heart towards God, but a changed heart towards sin. And so, if you really are saved, your life will be comparable and suitable for the repentance that you made. And that was sin, that your life will never be ran or controlled by sin anymore. Your life will never be to a place where you live in a habitual sin. You do not continue in sin. The Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. What shall I say? Shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. He that is of, he that is born of God sinneth not. All I'm saying is this, if you are have repentance towards sin, then your life will be comparable and suitable that your life will reveal that sin no longer has control. It no longer runs and rules life. Don't tell me, friend, you got saved, but you ain't got enough power to stop smoking a cigarette when you think you got enough power to get to heaven. I say it like this. If you ain't got enough power to stop smoking a cigarette, you ain't got enough power to get to heaven. Amen. 
Repentance. Repentance. You have to have a life that's comparable and suitable to that repentance. Or you don't have salvation. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I pray you have. Let's stand our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You're welcome, Cam. There's much more, but not able to speak here this morning because of time. I wonder this morning, if there's anybody that say, Brother, I know Jesus in my head. I know Jesus historically. I know him his name. I, I would even say that he died and was buried and resurrected, but I never repented toward God. Never. He's not the God of my life. He's not the Lord of my life. He's not the ruler and master. Now, he's a biblical figure, and I would never go against him. But he's just not in a personal way with me. You like that? You say, well, I don't want to sin. I don't like to sin, and I feel bad when I do. But you never repented of it. It still got control of you. It still runs and ruins your life. Won't you come get saved? The only way, repent ye and believe the gospel. The only way, the powers in the gospel that will change you. You come. You sing, Brother George, you come. I'm waiting on you. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Will you prepare the way to let him come? Would you just come? Prepare the way, let him come. Oh, he wants to do some great, mighty things in your life. You got to repent and believe the gospel. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. What a wonderful God. Would you come? Would you come? Let go. Let God have your life. John the Baptist said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, he called them vipers. He said, how are you going to escape the wrath of God? Jesus said he's going to take this, the wheat and he's going to take the shaft. And he's going to separate them. And the shaft will burn with unquenchable fire. If you're not saved this morning, that's who you are. You're the shaft. Oh, listen. It don't have to end that way. You don't have to go into eternity in that way. Would you come to the Lord? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. The person of the way. The path. The preparation. Dear God, heal today. Blessed be your name. Hallowed be thy name. Glory to your name. Brother Charles, my brother, will you dismiss us here this morning?